Hi everyone, Wendy Dickinson here at Grow Counseling in Atlanta. We are a counseling practice and have offices throughout Metro Atlanta. And we are coming to you live right now, recording some podcasts during an unprecedentedly stressful and weird time in our country. So our goal is to equip you with some tools and resources that will help you ultimately just get through this season and be okay in the midst of a lot of unknowns. I'm here today with Lisa Miller, who is one of our play um, and children therapists at Grow. Lisa, thanks for making the time to chat with us today. Yeah, sure thing. I'm happy to be here. Uh, why don't you tell everyone just briefly, you work out of the Buckhead office, tell them what your specializations are so that they know what perspective you're coming from. I primarily work with families. Um, I also do individual counseling with children and as well as teens. I focus on um, trauma as well as utilizing play therapy techniques and also children who have learning disabilities and bridging that gap between home and school. Awesome. So we are all at home, out of our routines, trapped. I mean, we have the opportunity to spend lots of time together, <laughs> uh, which uh, it can be challenging for kids. It can be challenging for parents. Definitely challenging to get school and work done at the same time and all the same space. So Let's start with just talking about structure. How do we establish some structure or routine in the midst of all of this chaos that we might be surrounded by? I know there have been so many different schedules floating around online and routines, and I think it's really important for you to tailor it to your own individual family because different families have different needs. Um, making sure that you can create it together. You can get all of your creative juices flowing. I know that teens would love to be in charge of this as well, but making sure that everybody has input, even the youngest child in, in your family. Um, making sure that you create it together and you can post it somewhere so everybody can actually see it if there are younger children in the family, make sure that you have pictures so if they can't read the words, they will know what's coming next. Um, and also be sure to schedule in some quiet time or you can call it a self-care block in order for everyone to really just have some downtime. Um, a really fun idea that I've seen and I've talked to um, different clients and families about is creating a self-care bingo, which is super easy. You just get a sheet of paper, draw a bingo card, and then you can write down different types of ways you will use self-care. Like, for example, drinking water, exercising, taking a nap, um, and then you can check those off, which is a really great visual for the younger kids. I love that. I love something you said in the beginning, which um, I've been talking to people about is this is not a one-size-fits-all approach. We have right. to figure out what works for our families, what works for ourselves, um, and what works for me may not be the same thing that works for you. So I think being really sensitive to that is important. You know, I've seen 
in my social media feed, lots of suggestions of TikTok schedules of one minute you do this and then 10 minutes later you do this. And I know for me that would cause my anxiety to go up. Like I'm just not wired like that. Absolutely. Having, I love this idea of like getting the family involved and figuring out what works for each member of the family and how as a team do you approach a schedule so that it just doesn't feel like unending stretches of time that's not defined and doesn't have any purpose. Absolutely. That's great. So we were talking earlier about this idea of self-regulating. Give, give us some examples. Talk to us just about the, the concept of self-regulation in children to start with. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you might see your kids being super hyper at home and excited and energized, or you might see them one minute very tired and asleep. So um, it's really important at home to promote self-regulation. So that means like allowing the kids to not regulate not only their bodies, but also their minds. And there's some different types of um, activities that you can utilize um, within self-regulation. So talk to me. I know there's a kind of upregulation, downregulation. Let's talk about some, some specifics for parents in that. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the upregulating activities, that's really to get all those wiggles out at home. Um, some examples are red light, green light, freeze dance. You can do that with music. Um, you can have them spin around on the floor or rolling. Pokey Pokey is always one of my favorites. Um, Simon Says, Tag, um, using those bright colors and flashing lights and loud noises to really get that energy out are some upregulating activities. Um, and you would do those when? When do we want to engage upregulating activities? So, for example, if there was just a block of time where the child had to sit down and do some academic work, and then they need a break, that, this would be a great time to do those upregulating activities to take place of PE and recess, um, but making sure you do it safely indoors, or hopefully you can get outdoors as well. That's great. And so down-regulating activities, when would we use those? So if you see your kid that is very energized and active, and then you need to calm him or her, or her down before transitioning to another activity, whether that be another academic block, whether that be going to nap time, or even just having a self-care time for everyone in the family where it's quiet, um, I would definitely use some down-regulating activities as a transition. So for example, maybe um, you were blowing bubbles with your child on the way to the bedroom for nap. Maybe you do, um, you know, have fun like, you know, there's a fort already made and you wrap up in a sleeping bag. Maybe you put on some calm or soft music. Maybe you have a diffuser with some lavender. Um, even some of those weighted blankets and dim lighting can really go a long way as uh, the child transitions into a more calmer state. Those are great ideas. So one of the things that I know parents are experiencing right now are kids that are um, maybe stressed out, they're anxious, they're tired of being cooped up inside, all these things that ultimately lead to arguments, fighting, 
picking on each other. How do parents help manage that, help kids stop engaging in that kind of behavior um, while we're all cooped up together? I think something that's really important is stay grounded. I know you might hear that a lot. Um, Let me give you just a really quick tip on how to stay grounded um, and how to activate your five senses. Something that I normally do with clients is say the five, four, three, two, one. So describe five things that you see, four things that you feel, three things that you hear, two things that you smell, and one thing that you taste. I mean, it's amazing. I had a client um, one time who was very dysregulated and I tried all sorts of activities and stuff like that. And then I went back to the basics and I did a grounding exercise with him and I just so happened to have a tangerine. And so it was amazing how calm he got just by eating that tangerine. Oh, that's Um, fantastic. I love that. Yeah, it was, it was really great. Um, so also, you know, if you can get outside, that is a great day, a great opportunity um, for you to get some fresh air and um, some vitamin D. Also, I personally, I took an electronics break. I turned my phone off, my computer, my TV, everything off for two hours, and it was so refreshing. So I would definitely um, do that as well. Yeah, I don't think we realize how inundated we are with messages and images and, you know, sounds and all those things, even if we're not watching the news media, but we just have the TV on in the background or we're looking at our our phone all the time. So I love that idea of kind of turning off all the electronics, whether you go outside or you just create some quiet time inside the house. I know we were um, talking about earlier eating a meal together. I have a friend who set the table with the nice china, lit the candles, put the tablecloth on, and they really used it as an opportunity to have a nice moment with their family around, uh, you know, a time when they would have been too busy otherwise because everybody would have had practices and lessons and things to run to. So I I love that they were kind of seizing that opportunity to go, okay, we're going to do something special here that, that our kids will hopefully remember and that will be meaningful to them. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I need to do that tonight as well. <laughs> um, even even like talking about manners, that's a great teaching opportunity that sometimes gets pushed behind the rug. So I think that is an excellent idea because we all want to stay connected. That's great. So like what about when kids are emotional, escalated, having a hard time calming down? What do you suggest that parents can do that just help bring some calm? Creating a calm down space inside the home, whether that be, um, you know, a little designated corner with a bean bag. Um, I love to use with my clients um, just a very simple empty shoe box. And then the child creates it, puts construction paper on it, and then we put different types of materials inside, such as a stress ball, a timer, um, even like a sand timer. Those are super fun. Um, A calm down jar. I know that you can look up different recipes online of how to use like a, a hard plastic water bottle, and you can get oil and water and glitter 
and it creates this amazing calm down jar that um, helps up a lot of kids actually. Um, so just creating that very simple space. There's also some more tips on our website under resources for COVID-19 that will give you very specific steps as well. That's great. So, so those sounds like they would be developmentally appropriate for what age? What, what would you say? I would say between around four to 10 or so. Okay. So then if we're looking at an older age group, uh, kind of that teenage range, let's talk about some uh, conflict resolution strategies. What do you suggest when you're trying to help your teens learn how to resolve conflict? You know, first you've got to ensure that everyone is safe um, and really, you know, instead of shaming and punishing, it's really important to move towards like a problem solving model. Um, and how you can do that is have a mediation between the siblings or maybe their friends, um, making sure that, you know, the parents and the children have set expectations because I have a feeling this might not be the first time that the teenagers have gotten in a fight before at home. So <laughs> making sure that the different expectations are written down, like, for example, maybe there needs to be like a talking stick or an object that is passed back and forth and the person who is holding the object, including the parent, is the only person that is able to talk. If you need to use a timer, you can absolutely do that as well, but make sure the parent and each child has equal time so it feels fair. So it really sounds like establishing some ground rules ahead of time would be helpful. Do you, do you suggest kind of sitting down and talking about that when there's not a conflict happening in the moment or do you wait to implement these until kind of everybody's in the midst of it and you're trying to figure out how to manage it? Yeah, that's a great question, Wendy. I definitely, definitely do this before you're in the heat of the moment so that everybody knows the expectations and that you can really focus on the feelings rather than um, shouting and hitting each other. So really using a team approach is uh, the best bet. That's great. Anything else about conflict management or conflict resolution that you would add to that? You know, there are definitely some questions that you can ask to the person who is hurt or the person who is um, started the fight um, you know you can ask what happened um, what were you thinking at the time and really have the child try to empathize so um, what do you think the other child was feeling um, who's been affected what are you going to do next um, how can you make things right and then also um, you know, making sure that the person who was hurt or harmed also feels heard is really important as well. Um, you know, what are your thoughts now? Having them be reflective and really taking a moment of silence to really think about what happened, calm down, de-escalate, and then think about what was the hardest thing for you at the time and what do you need to do to make things right? So just really remembering using a team approach 
and um, using that non-judgmental language as well as having the ground rules set in place before there's an argument. Those are great tips. I think, um, I don't know whether those are on our website yet, but we will make a handout and toss those up on our website to make sure that parents who have all of those questions is kind of a guide you can print out and use when you're trying to help your kids with this. So you can check that out at growcounseling.com slash resources under the family tab. Um, so speaking of parents, I think as we wrap up here, you know, one of the things that I'm aware of is parenting is difficult. We all reach the edge of what we have to offer. How as parents do we keep from losing our temper when it's been a long day and there's a lot of stress and everybody's sort of frayed around the edges? I've gotten a lot of calls about that, not only from clients, but friends and family as well, Wendy. Um, you know, what's really important um, as a parent is to really model when you are losing your temper, going over to the self-care bingo that you created together as a family and modeling, um, picking and choosing what you can do in order to calm yourself down. I think it's really important because what you'll see is that your child will pick up on your habits and then they will just subconsciously do them because they see you doing it as well. So some examples is obviously um, back to the basics, keep hydrated, make sure that you're getting enough sleep, eating a balanced diet, exercise. I personally really enjoy doing yoga and meditation. I have um, some mindfulness coloring sheets that I really enjoy. Um, and then also I think it's really important to create a gratitude journal, and that can be as formal as or as informal as you want. You can have an actual journal that's pre-made, or you can even make one with your family. You could get sheets of paper, staple them together, and, you know, I, everybody seems to be, like, counting the days that everybody's in quarantine, so maybe you could write you know, day one, and then what are you grateful for? Um, you know, like we talked before, Wendy, taking a walk outside, even spending time with your pet. I know I gave my dog a bath the other day, and, you know, it was really, it was nice to just get outside, and um, that was self-care for me. It, it also reminds me that just doing some things that are normal help us re-engage with our normal routines to the degree possible. So, yes. um, yeah, I, I think those are really, really great options. I, I'm just aware that parents so often, um, you know, take care of other people first. They put kids first, they put everyone else first and themselves, uh, you know, in the, in the last part of the line. And I think it's really important during this time because we have an undefined amount of time, really. We don't know if we're looking at a week or 10 days or two weeks or three weeks or six weeks. It's really important that as caregivers, we keep ourselves fueled and filled up. And it may feel like we don't have the time to do that, but I think it's critically important that we make time to do that. So if there are two adults in the house to trade off so that one, one person kind of gets a couple hours off, maybe they could take a bath, take a walk, do some of those things you talked about, but really be able to come back in feeling 
refreshed and ready rather than kind of trying to give out of a sense of emptiness and depletion. So these are great ideas. Um, any, uh, you know, we've pointed people to the resource um, on our website. We're going to continue to add things there. Is there anything else that you wanted to highlight for families before we wrap up? You know, there's a metaphor that I use pretty often and with families who parents feel overwhelmed, um, don't know what direction to take, just want their kids to seek help as far as therapy. But what I always tell them, it's like if you are in an airplane and then something happens and it's going down, what happens? The oxygen masks come out and they always direct you to put your oxygen mask on yourself first before helping someone else. So it was exactly what you were talking about, Wendy, is making sure that you are engaged in self-care so you can be 100%, not only for yourself, but your kids as well. That's great. I think that's a perfect note to end on. Um, again, the website, www.growcounseling.com slash resources. We also have a link from our main page. Lisa, thank you for taking the time to broadcast live from your closet today. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Where all the sound is better in our closets. Uh, take care of yourself and we will see you guys soon.